Welcome. You're listening to the Malcontent News Russia-Ukraine War Podcast, the show that cuts through the fog of war and updates you about the ongoing conflict in Ukraine. Don't forget to like, comment, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. Hello, I'm Marina Yevshan, co-host of the Russia-Ukraine War Report podcast, and today is January the 25th, 2024. It's been 3,651 days since Russia's illegal occupation of Crimea on January 27, 2014, and one year and 336 days since Russia expanded its war of aggression against Ukraine. Today's podcast looks at events that happened yesterday. During the podcast, you will find the Russia-Ukraine war map helpful to visualize the areas discussed. There is a link in the podcast description. The Russia-Ukraine war report is compiled by our team from around the world. Today's report includes information from our direct contacts and journalists in Ukraine, the Russian Ministry of Defense and the Ukrainian General Staff of the Armed Forces of Ukraine Morning Reports, Operational Commands North, South and East of Ukraine, Open Source Intelligence, our in-house team of analysts and geospatial experts, and pro-Ukrainian and pro-Russian male bloggers and social media channels with a track record of trying to be accurate. We have one mission – the truth, because the truth matters. Let's start with the daily assessment, which has been updated. 1. In our assessment, unless the United States Senate creates a standalone Ukraine aid bill, additional U.S. military and financial assistance to Ukraine in 2024 is extremely unlikely. 2. We further assess that the actions of Congress are now damaging the U.S. global standing as a trusted ally of democratic states and will result in increased kinetic and hybrid warfare executed by Russia and its so-called axis of resistance with Belarus, North Korea, Iran and their proxies. 3. The armed forces of Ukraine are facing critical ammunition shortages, particularly air defense missiles and artillery rounds, that are directly impacting the ability to continue active defense operations along the entire line of conflict. 4. Despite Ukraine's declining combat potential, which is a direct result of blocked aid from the US and delayed aid from the European Union, we assess the use of active defense has resulted in marginal and tactical gains in several areas of operation over the past week. 5. We assess that Ukraine's decision to build a 1,000-kilometer-long static echelon defense is strategically sound. 6. We have high confidence that Ukrainian prisoners of war were not on a Russian Il-76 transport plane that was shot down 60 kilometers east-northeast of Belgorod, Russia. 7. Russian forces have established an operational objective to capture Chasiv Yar, west of Bakhmut. 8. Russian commanders have put mission objectives over all other considerations and are committed to capturing the Avdiivka salient regardless of the cost. 9. We maintain that combat that closely resembles World War I trench warfare versus 21st century combined arms maneuver warfare will continue through meteorological winter, which ends on February 29. 10. We maintain that Russia's ongoing political purge is accelerating, and the Putin regime is accelerating its transition into a fascist state, and further assess that in the medium and long term this shift will endanger global security and stability. 11. While the possibility of an intentional nuclear accident caused by Russian occupiers at the Zaporizhia nuclear power plant remains low, the threat should be taken seriously. We are very troubled by the latest report from the International Atomic Energy Agency and the lack of international attention. (music) 
we begin in Kharkiv Oblast, in the Kupiansk area of operation, OIO. Mutual fighting was reported north and west of Sinkivka, with no change in the situation. In the city of Kharkiv, search and rescue operations ended after Russia attacked the city three times. Ten people were killed and 29 remain in hospital, with three in critical condition. Over the last week, Russian missile attacks have killed 16 and wounded another 78. 13 buildings, including a hospital and a historical building, have been destroyed. Northwest of Kremlina in Luhansk Oblast, GSFU reported that Ukrainian forces repelled a Russian attack in the area of Makivka. West of Kremlina, mutual fighting was reported east of Terny, and Ukrainian forces continued offensive operations east of Yampolivka. Southwest of Kremlina, mutual fighting was reported near Dibrova, and GSFU reported that Russian forces attacked Ukrainian positions in the Serebransky woods. Next, let's talk about the Donbass. In northeastern Donetsk in the Siversko, Russian mercenary mail blogger Wargonzo reported that Russian forces were on the offensive in the area of Spirne and Vesele, attempting to advance in the direction of Vimka. In the Solidario, GSAFU reported that a Russian attack in the area of Yesukivka was repulsed. In the Bakhmutio, fighting continued near Bogdanivka and east of Ivanivske, with no change in the situation. In the Klishivka area, positional fighting continued north and east of Klishivka. And finally, in the Toretsk New York area, Armut claimed Ukrainian forces were on the offensive in the area of Shumy, which is on the northwestern edge of occupied Horlivka. In southwestern Donetsk, Ukrainian forces have again stabilized their defensive lines in the Avdivka area. On the northern flank, Wargonzo reported that Russian troops continued their attempts to advance along the railroad grade southeast of Novobakhmutivka and east of Stepove. Fighting continued on the southeastern edges of Avdivka. Wargonzo wrote, quote, The breakthrough to Avdivka from the southeast has not yet brought operational success to the Russian armed forces. Unquote. Russian troops continued their attempts to advance in the direction of Parvomaiske and Nevelske without success. In the Marinkayo, fighting continued east of Georgivka, with no change in the situation. In the Vuhledarayo, Russian troops attacked the outskirts of Novomikhailivka from the south and the east nine times, suffered losses and retreated to their defensive positions. In the Staromlinivkayo, Russian troops tried to advance north of Novodonetske and east of Staromayorske without success. In Zaporizhia, there was only light fighting in the Orikhevayo. Russian sources reported there was positional fighting near Novopokrovka and west of Verbove, with no change in the situation. Mutual fighting was reported west of Robotene. Traitor and illegitimate governor of occupied Zaporizhia Vladimir Rogov reported Melitopol was attacked three times on January 24, and air defense was active. There was no other information, and weather conditions blocked satellite intelligence. In the Kherson area, fighting continued in Krynke and the forests to the south, with Ukrainian forces repelling seven attacks. GSAFU reported that Russia was preparing to attack Ukrainian positions with the chemical weapon chloropicrine in an attempt to force a withdrawal from the village. In our assessment, the report has weight, as Russia has significantly increased the use of CS, also known as tear gas, and in more isolated cases has used the chemical weapon precursor chloropicrine. 
the Chemical Weapons Convention bans both toxins. Here's what we know about the situation in the Black Sea, occupied Crimea, Mykolaiv and Odessa. In occupied Crimea, the Crimean Tatar insurgent organization Atesh documented the arrival of a Project 775 large landing ship at Sevastopol, with pictures showing it has a dazzle paint scheme. Satellite images also showed that a network of booms once again protects the entrance to Sevastopol Bay to block surface and subsurface uncrewed vessels. Pens for military-trained dolphins were also replaced. The harbor defenses were destroyed in November during a historic superstorm. The city of Odessa was attacked by 14 Iranian-sourced Shahid-136 one-way drones, with 11 shot down. Drones hit an apartment tower and warehouses of an industrial facility, causing fires at both locations. Two people were injured in the attack. Here is the update for the Russian front. In the Belgorod region, our analyst team has established a timeline of events leading up to the crash of a Russian Il-76 military transport plane, shot down approximately 60 kilometers east-northeast of the city of Belgorod. On January 23rd at 23.45 hours Los Angeles time, Belgorod region governor Vyacheslav Gladkov reported that an, quote, aircraft type UAV was shot down by an air defense system over the village of Bližnya. 27 minutes later, at 0.12 hours, on January 24, Gladkov wrote, quote, a missile alert has been launched in Belgorod, unquote. 18 minutes later, at 0.30 hours, our analyst team believes the Russian military transport departed from Belgorod International Airport despite the ongoing air raid alert. 13 minutes later, at 0.43 hours, Governor Gladkov wrote, quote, the missile warning signal has been cancelled in Belgorod, unquote. Five minutes later, at 0.48 hours, Gladkov writes, quote, incident in Karocha district. An investigative team and emergency situation ministry employees are currently working at the scene. I changed my work schedule and went to the area. All details later. Unquote. Quick assessment. Gladkov's wording indicates that the Il-76 was shot down at least several minutes before he posted, and he was already in the Korocha area. Three minutes later, 051 hours, the first social media reports about the plane crash appeared. Two minutes later, Telegram channel Belgorod Informant writes, quote, Now investigators and employees of the Ministry of Emergency Situations are working on the site. The governor also went to the area. According to our information, a military transport plane crashed. The information is being clarified. Unquote. Eleven more minutes pass, and at 0104 hours, the first video of the Il-76 crashing is published on social media. Twenty-three minutes later, it is now 0127 hours, the Russian Ministry of Defense reports, quote, The Il-76 crashed at about 11 o'clock Moscow time in the Belgorod region. On board the fallen Il-76, there were 65 captured military personnel of the Ukrainian armed forces transported to the Belgorod region for exchange, six aircraft crew members and three accompanying persons. Finally, almost three hours later, the Russian Ministry of Defense changed the time of the crash, stating, quote, Today, at 11.15 a.m., the Kyiv regime committed a terrorist act, as a result of which a Russian military transport aircraft was shot down, unquote. More assessment. 
Armod moved the time 27 minutes later than Governor Gladkov's first report of unquote, incident in Karocha district and outside of the window of the air raid alert that was ongoing in Belgorod. It is also 11 minutes after the first video of the crash appeared on the Internet, which makes the claim impossible. The Kremlin also falsely said that the plane was arriving, despite local reports indicating the plane had departed from Belgorod International Airport. The video that showed the plane crashing was recorded in the settlement of Yablonova, facing north. The aircraft was traveling west to east and crashed in the fields north of the settlement. In the 27-second long video, the nose section of the plane was missing, and as it rolled to the north, engine number 3 tore off of the wing. There is additional information about the incident later in the podcast. Moving on to the Krasnodar Krai region, the Rosneft oil refinery in Topse was hit by at least one Ukrainian drone, sparking a large fire in the crude oil heating unit near a hydrocracker. This is potentially major damage to one of Russia's largest refineries. During the drone attack, a ground stop was announced at Sochi airport. We link to videos of the attack and fire in our daily situation report. Information is in the podcast description. You're listening to the Malcontent News Russia-Ukraine War Podcast. Our team of journalists, researchers and analysts is funded by readers, listeners and viewers just like you. To support independent journalism, please consider becoming a patron. You can find us on patreon.com at Malcontent News. It was another very busy news day. Here is my theater-wide update. On January the 24th, there were 50 combat clashes reported across Ukraine, indicating that the surging attacks last week was meant to test Ukrainian defensive capabilities. The National Security Council coordinator for strategic communications at the White House, John Kirby, told reporters, quote, We don't see a lot of movement on the battlefront from east to south. There's… there's… neither side is really making a lot of progress. And we are not seeing any major push by the Russians to some sort of ground offensive. Unquote. As previously covered in the Russian front section, the Kremlin claimed that the Il-76 that was shot down was carrying Ukrainian prisoners of war for an exchange scheduled on January the 24th. The main defense intelligence directorate of the Ministry of Defense of the Armed Forces of Ukraine, Uhur, confirmed that an exchange was planned. Ukraine arrived as agreed, but Russia never showed up. Russian state media agency MASH claimed the planned exchange was going to include 192 prisoners from each combatant. Russian propagandist and head of Russian state media agency RT, also known as Russia Today, Margarita Simonyan, published a list claiming it was the names and birth dates of the 65 Ukrainian prisoners killed in the crash. A review of the list discovered that 18 people had already been returned to Ukraine in previous exchanges. News agency Astra was able to confirm that seven names on the list are known POWs, and Baza confirmed 10, with four names overlapping. All 13 POWs that were identified are Azov-style defenders who surrendered on May 12, 2022, or were captured between February 24 and March 1, 2022. The status of the remaining 34 is unknown. 
The spokesperson for the International Committee of the Red Cross of Ukraine said that the organization's delegation in the Russian Federation is trying to find out who was on board the plane, adding the ICRS does not take part in prisoner exchanges. What? That's literally their job. It's spelled out in international humanitarian law. During his evening address, President of Ukraine Volodymyr Zelensky called for an international investigation into the incident. Ukrainian military analyst Oleksandr Kovalenko shared a lengthy assessment. He wrote in part, quote, It is also worth noting that open-source intelligence analysts confirmed the fact that the Il-76 aircraft RA-78-830 was flying to Russia via Egypt, Saudi Arabia and Iran, then disappeared from radar somewhere near Syria and then popped back up over Belgorod region. A very strange route for delivering captured Ukrainians. It is also known that this particular plane played an active part in the Iranian express supply chain. Unquote. Russian State Duma deputy and head of the Defense Committee Andrei Kartapolov claimed that Ukraine deliberately shot down a plane to blame Russia for the attack. He also claimed a second plane with 80 POWs changed course after the first plane crashed. Kartapolov declared that future prisoner exchanges are suspended. Okay, 65 plus 80 minus the 18 that were already repatriated equals 127. Wait, that isn't 192. Our agency received intelligence from a reliable source in a third-party nation that the Il-76 was carrying Shahed one-way drone instructors and technicians with the Iranian Republican Guard as part of a planned rotation. This was the reason for the plane's route through the Middle East before arriving in Belgorod. We are continuing to work to verify the intelligence in cooperation with other analysts. We currently have medium confidence in the veracity of the claim and high confidence in our source. Asked about the incident, National Security Council spokesperson Kirby told reporters, quote, We have seen the reports, but we cannot confirm them. We are doing everything we can to get more data. Unquote. The Prime Minister of Ukraine, Denis Shmehal, said that Ukrainian engineers were building a three-echelon defensive line in all directions and that tens of billions of hryvnias had already been allocated. After speaking with NATO Secretary-General Jens Stoltenberg, the Prime Minister of Hungary, Viktor Orban, announced that he would ask Parliament to ratify Sweden's accession to the NATO alliance and expressed his support. In an interview with German news agency Bild, the Minister of Foreign Affairs of Ukraine, Dmitro Kuleba, made an apparent swipe at the United States, saying, quote, As crazy as it sounds, it seems that North Korea is a more effective partner for Russia than our friends who supply Ukraine with artillery ammunition. And that has to change. When it comes to making specific decisions, we see how our partners sometimes engage in endless discussions. Unquote. He also appealed once again for Taurus cruise missiles, adding, quote, We don't need Taurus missiles to attack Moscow. We need Taurus to destroy Russian military infrastructure behind enemy lines in Ukraine. Unquote. The High Representative of the European Union for Foreign Affairs and Security Policy, Joseph Borrell, reiterated the need to increase military aid to Ukraine dramatically. Quote, we must change the paradigm and move from supporting Ukraine on the principle of as long as necessary 
to fulfilling the task of increasing efforts so that Ukraine has everything until it wins. Unquote. German Chancellor Olaf Scholz once again called on European allies to increase military aid during an interview with German news agency Die Zeit. Scholz said he had started having telephone conversations with colleagues from partner countries to increase military assistance. Scholz also announced that Berlin and Kyiv were in active negotiations to establish security guarantees, saying, quote, I assume that we will finalize this soon. I have a feeling that we are on the verge of final negotiations. Unquote. After meeting with the Prime Minister of Slovakia, Robert Fico, Prime Minister Schmihal declared that an agreement had been reached to support Ukraine's integration into Europe, the respect to both nations' territorial integrity, and Slovakia agreeing to continue to permit arms sales to Ukraine. Further, Fico declared that he would not block the 50 billion euro financial aid package from the EU, set for approval as early as the 1st of February. After the meeting, Slovakia announced it agreed to provide Ukraine with construction equipment and Bozhena 4 demining systems. Poland provided Ukraine with a Mi-2 helicopter configured for medical evacuation. And Denmark committed to providing Ukraine with $13.3 million in aid for cybersecurity. The United Kingdom reportedly offered to buy Taurus cruise missiles from Germany, so that it could replenish its own inventory and provide Ukraine with existing Storm Shadow cruise missiles. U.S. Department of Defense spokesperson Pat Ryder issued another warning if Congress continues to block future aid to Ukraine. Quote, Without additional funding, we cannot provide systems and equipment to meet medium- and long-term needs and help them, he means Ukraine, maintain in working order the systems that we have already provided. Unquote. Political insider Jack Sherman reported that immigration reform and aid to Ukraine were all but dead in the U.S. Senate. Quote, McConnell told a closed meeting of Senate Republicans Wednesday that the politics of the border has flipped for Republicans and cast doubt on linking Ukraine and border. When we started this, the border united us, and Ukraine divided us. The politics on this have changed, McConnell then told his GOP colleagues. Unquote. Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell claimed that former president and presidential candidate Donald Trump quote, wants to run his 2024 campaign centered on immigration, adding, we don't want to do anything to undermine him. Unquote. Moving to assessment. The Senate could still attempt to pass a standalone Ukrainian military aid package, but House Speaker Mike Johnson would still have to advance it. Johnson has repeatedly stated that an immigration and border security package would come before any other business. In our final assessment, unless an unforeseen event occurs, we believe that the House will not pass a fiscal year 2024 budget, nor a 2025 budget in September. We believe that Congress will pass additional 30-60 day continuing resolutions at the 2023 funding level through the November elections and will not consider any other major legislation. What's going on in the land of Mobix, mobilization and Mir? It's time for the Russia update. Three members of the aircrew of the Il-76 that was shut down were identified. Command pilot Stanislav Bezubkin, navigator Alexei Vysokin and flight engineer Andrei Pilyuev. 
The crew belonged to the 117th Military Transport Aviation Regiment of Edinburgh, Russia. Ukraine reported that foreign contract soldiers from Malaysia who don't speak Russian or Ukrainian are in the rear areas of occupied Donetsk undergoing military training to fight for Russia. In our War Crimes and Human Rights segment, we sometimes discuss violence, human suffering and other atrocities. Today's report has mild descriptions of torture. If you find this type of content disturbing, you can skip to the next section. Russian forces intentionally shelled a hospital in Kherson with cluster munitions, wounding two medics and a 60-year-old patient, causing additional damage to the facility. The Ministry of Education and Science of Ukraine reported that since February 24, 2022, 200 schools have been completely destroyed and another 1,600 damaged by Russian attacks. In less than two years, every seventh school in the country has suffered damage. Political prisoner Crimean Tata Ekrem Krosh testified in the illegitimate Russian court in occupied Crimea that he and another Crimean Tata prisoner were being repeatedly tortured. Krosh told the court that in pretrial detention center 2 in Simferopol, prisoners are beaten by drunken guards, including on the head and with tasers. They are also forced to repeat the Russian national anthem by memory every day and are beaten if they make any mistake. Finally, a couple of updates in geopolitics and economics. The Ministry of Foreign Affairs of Russia announced it was terminating its cooperative border agreement with Finland. Binance, the largest cryptocurrency exchange in the world, announced it would stop all transactions using rubles on January 31st. The exchange has given clients a week to convert their rubles into another cryptocurrency or withdraw them from their accounts. And that's what we know. Your support of my home, Ukraine, helps us make history and protect the future for all. You've been listening to the Malcontent News Russia-Ukraine War Podcast. To help keep us independent, please consider providing financial support by becoming a patron. Want on-demand news in your hand? Download the Google News app and make Malcontent News one of your favorites to receive breaking news updates. Thank you for listening.